If you're seeing this, it is because I am now a dad of two. And that means that I'm already sleep deprived to the point that you wouldn't want to see me right now. So we are taking some old blogs from back at the very, very beginning of Checkpoint Church before these nerdy sermons ever even existed. So we're going to remaster them and turn them into these nerdy deep dives and make them for you to enjoy probably for the first time since the original blogs have been read like eight times. All this is to say, if these feel different than they usually do, it's because they are, but I'm still excited to offer them to you anyway. So today's Nerdy Deep Dive is going to be from Full Metal Alchemist, one of my favorite anime of all time, and the one that got me into anime to begin with. One of my favorite characters in that show, although most of the characters in FMA kind of fit that description, if we're being honest. Anyway, I love Alex Louise Armstrong, and I had to write about how Alex exemplifies one of the things that the church doesn't like to highlight so much. Tradition. So what can we learn about the skills passed down from old generations of Christians? Let's talk about it. Folks, welcome to Checkpoint Church, where nerds, geeks, and gamers come together to talk about faith games and involuntary face sparkles. Uh -huh. I am your nerd pastor, Nate, and if you like these weekly deep dives, be sure to sub, hit that bell, and find out when our next one drops. Folks, we're going to begin this video as we always do with our scripture. Our scripture for today comes from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. We're going to be reading from the NRSV. That's my preferred translation. It's what's going to be on the screen, but if you have a translation that you prefer, feel free to use that one as well. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in God. So we have known and believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God, and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. I love love, don't you? I mean, how can anyone think any different, right? I mean, there must be a reason why millions of folks find themselves cozied up under a blanket each year at Christmas time to watch the endless badgering of Hallmark movies. Nauseating instances of bizarre and predictable love stories over and over, and we love it. Even a curmudgeon like myself cannot help but smile whenever the beautiful blonde ex-lawyer from the hashtag big city moves to her hashtag small hometown and falls madly in love with the hunky but definitely once awkward country boy who saves her from the ice hole that she fell in while ice skating as practice for the Olympics. Every cheesy joke, every cutesy line, every washed up child actor, man, I eat it up every single time. Why do you think it is that we love these stories enough to produce an entire movie genre? I grew up in a hashtag small hometown and I can certify that I never once witnessed a climactic meet cute like in a Hallmark flick. Is it just our active imaginations? Do we really want that kind of hookup for ourselves? Is Tinder not enough? Where is the movie where the girl puts her ice cold feet on the man's back and he screams in icy hot pain? Now that 
is real love. One of my favorite aspects of preaching, writing, and teaching are the opportunities that I get to talk about love. I am crazy, head over heels in love with my high school sweetheart. I fall more and more in love with our beautiful daughter by the minute. And I'm sure that I'm already obsessed with daughter number two by the time that you're watching this. But even those instances of love that I experience every single day do not quite manage to encompass the incredible love that I get to experience from Jesus Christ. When I get to share that kind of love with others, man, I just get so excited about it. And I think that the biblical authors loved love too. Have you ever read The Song of Solomon? If you think Hallmark movies are cheesy, just dive deep into that steamy intimacy in that Old Testament book. In the NRSV, the word love appears 538 times. Out of 1,189 available chapters, that word could be nearly divided out to every other chapter. Of course, that's not how it works. The passage that we just read uses the word 28 times alone, and that's a lot of love. This passage also makes one of my favorite claims in all the Bible, that God is love. This truth from John the Evangelist is, in my opinion, just as incredible of a revelation as John's other bold proclamation from John 1 about the Word. John is not being shy or pulling any punches in this passage. Make no mistake, this truly is a bold proclamation. I remember whenever I first learned that there were different types of love present in the Bible. No doubt you've heard of them as well, but we'll brush up on them for our purpose here. You have eros or romantic love, the intense sexual desire for someone. This is found in Samson's love for Delilah or King David's pursuit of Bathsheba. You have philia or affectionate love, also known as brotherly love, no passion or sexual impulse, just founded on respect and admiration, love amongst the disciples in the earliest church. You have storage love, familiar love, typically viewed as the love that a parent might have for a child and potentially vice versa, a deeper bond by blood or strong family-like ties, like the love from a mother to her demon-possessed daughter. You have pragma, or enduring love, practical love that continues after the honeymoon phase ends. This is a matured love that continues past the passion of the eros love. This can be seen in Jacob and Rachel, or Ruth and Boaz. You have ludus, or playful love. This is the gross Song of Solomon stuff I was referring to earlier. Imagine the butterfly feeling of a first kiss, or perhaps whenever the small-town hunk might rescue you from an ice hole. And then you have the more familiar agape love, an unconditional love. This is the love Jesus calls us to in the greatest commandment, the desire to love others as we love ourselves without condition or respect, the act of loving someone like this that is based on nothing but humanity. Whenever I was first taught these, I was told that agape love is the love that represents God. And whenever John tells us that God is love, this is what I thought that that meant. I thought that God was limited to just agape love. As I've grown older and experienced more of the love from God, I've discovered that this understanding falls a bit short. If there's one pet peeve that you'll find in my ministry, I am especially nitpicky anytime that someone attempts to limit God. Acknowledging human shortcomings, now that's easy. Finding biblical contradictions, we can talk about it all day. Interpretive differences, hey, I'm cool. But if you're going to try to tell me that something is impossible for God, we're probably going to have problems. Now, I'm not suggesting that the person who taught me the forms of love directly tried to limit God, but it is an unfortunate oversight to think that the awesome and perfecting agape love is the only form present in God. God is love, but not just any love. God is all love. Those butterfly feelings when you catch the eyesight of someone from across the bar, yeah, God's there. Putting a Band-Aid on the latest boo-boo of your precocious progeny, hey, God's there. Seeing these adorable two retirees sitting on the same side of the booth after 45 years of marriage, that's God. Taking a day of self-care and getting that massage you've needed, God's given that background, baby. And yes, God wants you to have a happy and fulfilling sex life. Stop blushing. It's just the truth. God is love. And love is everywhere. Now, can we mess that up? Yeah, of course we can. Giving into those butterfly feelings while our spouse sits next to us or helicoptering over our kid to the point they cannot breathe or abusing a spouse for 45 years or self-medicating and avoiding responsibility and attempted acts of self-care or only satisfying our own carnal desires in the act of sex. Those are ways that we sap God out of the love and replace it with something far more sinister. So what can we do about it? If God is love, what does John want us to do with that information? How can that idea 
radically change our lives. Well, John helps us out with two ways to best do this. We must first see that if God is love and Jesus wants us to become like God, then we are the final product of the equation. God is love. We are called to be like God. We are called to love. Once we acknowledge that we are called to be love in this world, that God is love in this world, then we have to figure out how. And that brings us to Full Metal Alchemist. It's one of my favorite anime of all time. I remember first watching it whenever I would sneak downstairs and stay up late to watch Adult Swim on Cartoon Network. It was haunting. It was smart. It changed my life forever. I got so hooked that I bought the manga as they were translated in the United States. I watched both series, all of the movies. I even played the DS and PS2 game adaptations, which if you've played them, you know I was a trooper. The best part of Full Metal Alchemist has to be the incredible characters that have been lovingly crafted by Hiromu Arakawa. They all have depth and epic back stories, many of which that she lets the reader imagine on their own time. Some of these characters are incredibly sad or even downright heartbreaking, such as Rose and Hughes, Tucker and Nina. Even bad guys like Greed bring a tear to your eye. And then there are other characters that are just downright silly. One fan favorite is the inhumanly muscular Major Armstrong, perfectly voiced by Chris Sabat in the English dub. What a tremendous sacrifice to give up your arm in order to transmute your brother's disembodied soul! This character comes to life in every scene and is immediately the focus of attention. He appears as a literal giant with a body made entirely of muscles, which are often seen given that his shirt rips off pretty often with every flex and he does flex quite often. He's mostly bald with the exception of a single golden curl on his head and a perfectly coiffed blonde mustache. His eyes are serious and piercing with beautiful eyelashes and his shiny dome is almost always accompanied by his trademark pink shine marks floating around him like a halo. Amongst the many absurd lines spouted by Armstrong, there's one that stands out in the minds of even the most casual fan. Nearly every action done by Armstrong, whether it be his signature alchemy style or chopping wood or cooking dinner or taking walks or beautification techniques, whatever, is that every single thing that he does has been passed down in the Armstrong family from generation to generation. Aside from being a gag that always makes me laugh, it seems that everything that Armstrong does spawns from a central place, his lineage. You're facing the technique that's been passed down the Armstrong line for generations. Armstrong is, without a doubt, one who is incredibly proud about where he comes from. He's proud of who he is and how he got there. Taken a step further, Armstrong is a representative of his family, and with every act that he does, he bears the honor of his family as his burden. Imagine if he were to fail. That is a stain on the Armstrong legacy. For Armstrong, it's not just a blessing, it's a burden. His lineage is not something taken lightly. It is an honor and one that he takes very, very seriously. What if that is what is lacking from our lives that gives us such love for Hallmark movies? Do we watch these cheesy films not because we want that for ourselves, but instead because we want to remember those warm, fuzzy feelings of sitting down with our parents and thinking about our future love lives? Are we using these movies just to fill a void that we really just want to pass on a childlike love to our children, our family, or our friends? I think that John would be amazed by the passionate honor present in Major Armstrong. Come, Edward! Allow me to help you! I also think it might be that exact kind of honor that John wants to commend upon all of those who have experienced God's all-encompassing love. Imagine, if you will, that we saw the love that we've experienced from God not just as an incredible blessing, which it is, but that we also saw it as an honorable burden. I swear on my life such a thing will never happen again! What if we went around loving people in ways that were truly unbelievable? Not for our own sake, but because of the love that has been given to us from generation to generation. It's an honor to be able to share with someone the gift of love. It's also an incredible burden because we have the capacity to royally screw it up. Consider this the next time you're given the chance to love someone with any kind of love. Where has God been in your life? Where have you experienced the love you're offering? God is there. What did God do for you then? How can you do that? How can you be someone's next experience of God? 
what an awesome challenge. Most importantly, I hope you'll consider that love is an infectious force of nature. Like Armstrong's family values, how we love is not limited to just ourselves. It continues on in the lives of those that we've affected forever. It's a generational thing. I hope you'll consider not just the love that you are experiencing, but think of the love passed down. Regardless of where you might feel loved or unloved right now, Checkpoint Church is always there to offer up love for you. Whether you're a state alchemist, a homunculi, or one of Armstrong's sparkles, you are always welcome here at Checkpoint Church. Folks, thank you so much for watching these videos. I so appreciate you taking time out of your day to join us on these nerdy deep dives. If you're wanting more of what Checkpoint Church has to offer, we are streaming every single Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday over on Twitch. Or maybe not right now. Our schedule might be a little messed up with baby number two. But if you're after the fact, you may be able to find us on Twitch. Check our schedule. The best place to check our schedule will always be where? On our Discord, which will also be linked down below. That is where we are 24-7. We're always passing across information. Uh, I guarantee you that's pictures. If you want pictures of the newborn, that's where you're going to see them. So check that out. Hey, quick question for you. Who is your favorite character from Photolaucus? I have to confess that I have a low-key crush on Winry and a high-key crush on Mace Hughes. I mean, come on. He's just charming. With that, we're going to end this video with the three things that we believe true about every single one of you out there watching this video, regardless of whether or not you believe in God, don't believe in God, whether or not you go to church, don't go to church, Christian, not a Christian, dubber or subber, whatever you may be, we believe these three things to be true about every single one of you. Number one, we believe that God loves you, like really, really loves you. Number two, we love you. We want community with you. That's what we're doing here on Twitch and YouTube and Discord at Checkpoint Church. And then number three, we believe that you, yes, you matter. You are a person of sacred worth. The world is a better place. Why? Because you are in it. Folks, with that, until the next time that I see you, I hope that you are well, and I look forward to seeing you then. Bye-bye! Oh, I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, no. Congrats. <laughs> Congratulations, Christina! <laughs> we have a good time, don't we? Ooh, don't we have a good time? Brrr.